You are Locked On Bulls, your daily podcast on the Chicago Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere you can find podcasts. Please go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. You can email us with any basketball questions or advertising inquiries at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at LockedOnBulls. Tweet us at LockedOnBulls on Twitter. I'm Sean Hyken of The Athletic. With me, as always, Cody Westerland of 670 The Score, and we've got a guest, another three-man pod, probably the biggest celebrity that we've had on Locked On Bulls podcast from ESPN.com, Nick Friedel. Will you shut up? <laughs> we had to bring out the heavy hitters because the Bulls hosted the Knicks on Friday night and lost in the reunion game of sorts. Derrick Rose, Joakim Noah back at the United Center. Bulls played really bad defense. Derek and Joe played their best games as New York Knicks. Derek had 15 points, 11 assists. Joe a 16, 9, and 4 line. Nick, you covered those two for a really long time. I think five or six seasons, and you've seen them go through uh, the basketball battles, the good and the bad. What was it like for you to see them back at the United Center? Very strange. Very, very strange. I kept watching them warm up before the game I'm going is this happening these two are, are playing against the Bulls and I mean you guys know guys change teams all the time yeah it happens but it just felt different to me probably because when I started here in Chicago in 2009 it was right towards the end of Derrick's rookie year and so in my own way professionally I feel like I grew up with those two guys yeah and they were always very good to me and they were very good to the media most of the time so seeing them perform the way they did against the Bulls didn't surprise me. And watching them literally skip off the floor and watching the way they played told you all you needed to know and just how much this game in this town meant to those two Yeah, with 28 seconds left, Joe kind of started, as Nick said, literally skipping off the floor. They were checking out with the game well in hand, and Joe was like hitting Derek on the back of the head like three or four times, and Derek finally kind of reciprocated and hit him back. So you could tell how much that meant. We should uh, kind of chime in on the introductions to pregame intros, the ovation they got, the reaction from the crowd, I know, was certainly of interest for everyone. Joakim Noah, a all-encompassing, loud, basically standing ovation. Derek Rose, plenty of cheers, but also boos as well. Certainly more cheers than boos. I thought you guys can chime in on that, but a mixed reaction for Derek. Yeah, I would agree. There were definitely more cheers than boos, but there were zero boos for Joakim Noah. So it was, I guess, to be expected, but at the same time, I thought it was going to be a pure standing ovation just because Derek is from here. I know there's a lot of baggage with his years here with the injuries and some of the stuff that he's said over the years. So I'm not sure, you know, where all the a lot, so a lot of the boos came from, but... Yeah, it was it was interesting. And Derek said pregame too. You know, it was late September when he mentioned basically a comment along the lines of the hometown fans kind of took me for granted or didn't appreciate me entirely at the end, and that's paraphrasing it. And we asked him, you know, in those pregame interviews, and he didn't back down from that comment, kind of saying, you know, they had so much good, and then it went downhill for him with injuries later. But what, I mean, what do you think of the ovation he deserved? Nick, I mean, just what do you think of the night in regards to that, the emotions of the night, I guess, for the crowd, too? It was as amped 
as I've seen the United Center in a while, guys. Yeah. And, and you guys have been covering games mm-hmm. for a while here now, too. Regular season games for the United Center, unless there's something major on the line. And the, the game that pops in my head is when the Bulls broke the Heat's 27-game winning streak. That, yeah. place that was before rocking. I got here. But but this is usually a wine and cheese crowd. Yeah. Don't really care that much about most of the regular season games. This one was different to me. Everybody knew what it meant to have Derek and Joe back. I was surprised at just how many boos there were for Derek. You knew there were going to be some because of the way things ended, and and this all goes back to him not coming back, at least in my mind it does, not coming back after he tore his ACL, after being cleared by the the playoff that year. When he didn't come back, everybody kind of went, Oh, he's soft, or he's... Exactly. The people, that's when the line was drawn. People either supported him completely, or a lot of people at that point started to turn. And then when he came back the next year, and he got injured again after 10 games, and he missed the whole year, even more people jumped off the bandwagon, and they said, you know what? I don't believe in him anymore. Well, that's fascinating to me because one of the comments he made in pregame tonight referenced those fans, and he said, I understand they want rings, they want playoffs, they want results. And he didn't always showcase the ability to kind of say how much the playoffs meant to him when he was here, because I remember the year uh, 2014-15, he had the meniscus tear the last year of the Tibbs era, Excuse me, and people didn't know if he was going to come back for the playoffs. And he was kind of like, eh, you know, if I'm ready, I will. If I'm not, like, people wanted to see him run through a wall for that, which he didn't always showcase in his words, even though he's doing the work off the court. But I want to ask you both a question. Do you think Bulls fans properly appreciate the Joakim Noah, Derrick Rose era? Because we have, like, this recency bias in life to whatever happened last year. You know, they missed the playoffs in their final year here in Chicago first rookie coaching season, but like they defined an entire era of basketball with their hard work and their play. Well, I think a lot of it is still very fresh with you know the way that it ended for both of them with you know with, with Derek uh, getting traded and then with Joe having the season-ending injury and then kind of that thing with Fred Hoiberg at the beginning of the year where he was told to come off the bench and then Fred went out and said it was Joe's idea and it wasn't and that was all weird. But I think you know as time goes on, that stuff is going to fade away and the. Years before the injury started, particularly the MVP year 2010-11 when they went to the conference finals, that is the most success that the Bulls have had since Michael Jordan retired. And those two players were the defining pieces of that era. And I think as time goes on, people are going to appreciate that. You guys have to understand this part of it as well. When Derek was having that success, rookie of the year, yeah. all-star in the second season, MVP in his third season. Derrick Rose was universally beloved. Yeah. He was the man. From Chicago. City, from Chicago. Number one pick. Everybody, everybody in this city loved Derrick. And it, and it started to turn for the reasons we've already illustrated. But to your, your question, Cody, I believe completely that over time... The wounds that were caused by the decisions Derek made, some of the dumb stuff he said uh, in the media that got uh, really uh, 
it got it turned around. Contorted and, and a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think fans, if they weren't with Derek at that point, it didn't matter. And yeah. it, the, the, the the fans that, that were with Derek didn't care at that point. The line had really been drawn. But the point is, over time, I think this is this this game where and these boos will be a footnote because Derek Rose will come back whether as an ambassador or something else with the Bulls at some point. Bulls love their ambassadors, they former players. Them. They love them. You, you think point. he will? You think that's going to happen? Well, I think Derek's made so much money, he doesn't have to do anything. He does not have to do one thing after he retires. But if he wants to, it's in play. I believe it will be in play. Because we're talking, guys, I, I don't know how much longer Derek's going to play, but we're talking 10 or 15 years down the road. And in 10 or 15 years fans will have the benefit of hindsight and they'll look back and they'll say, you know what? This guy was the youngest MVP in league history. He brought so much joy to so many people in this city. And he and Joe Keen helped build back what had been a miserable decade after Michael Jordan retired. Now, Derek made some other pregame comments as well and he spoke postgame too. And I thought he did a pretty good job just kind of encompassing the night on both uh, ends of that as he spoke today several times in his return to Chicago. But, you know, he was asked if he was a good teammate last year in the locker room, what role he had in the chemistry issues kind of unraveling the Bulls. And, again, we've touched on this plenty of times on the podcast. It's not like these guys hated each other off the court or anything. They didn't hate each other on the court, but it just didn't click. There was, you know, kind of a, a chism there or whatever in the – chism, I should say, in the locker room. And no one was on the same page. And Derek said, people just didn't understand me. I didn't let them understand me. I held everything in and I didn't voice my opinion the way I wanted. Do we read anything into those quotes from last year? And, you know, Jimmy Butler and Derek Rose and everyone joking know have all said there's no bad blood or anything. But at the same time, it was kind of an opportunity missed. If you're asking for my opinion, I, I believe there is some bad blood. But I don't believe it's from Derek towards anybody or, or that many people towards Derek. I think the biggest rift from within last year was Jimmy and Joe. And I don't think fans understood just how deep that got towards the end of the season uh, or, or a little before when Joe Keem injured his shoulder and had to miss, miss the rest of the year for, for surgery. Jimmy and Joe were close in the sense that when Jimmy came into the league, Joaquin really respected how hard he worked. And, and Jimmy's work ethic, even now. Seen, even now, is off the charts. And all the people in the organization that will say, well, Jimmy has changed over time, in the next breath will say, you know what? He works his ass off, so he's going to get the benefit of the doubt at least a little bit. But Joe always ruled that locker room. It was Joe's room. Derek happily played uh, along in the role of the star, but not... The he wasn't really, like, he wasn't really like a vocal leader, the exactly. way that Joe was. He wasn't like the guy that was riling guys up. He was just he was the best player on the team before the injuries, but he was just kind of happy to have somebody else be the one that everybody kind of rallied around. Exactly. And, and that was... It was such an interesting dynamic, because Cody, you're right. Nobody defended Derek... As as much fiercely. and as long as fiercely 
as Joaquin did. And it even bears out in the fact that when Joaquin Noah was a free agent for the first time, he chose to go to New York in large part because Derek lobbied him hard to come there, and they're that close that he decided to do that. I think so, but also remember that Joaquin obviously spent time in New York as a kid. Well, there's that too, but I think... I I think both of those things had uh, a huge part of it. Yeah, and... I was just going to chime in the, the, the part where Joakim defended him so much, and he referenced this a couple times, like championship was their lone goal. And I, I know that that's every team's goal, but it was in their prime there, it was realistic for those bowls to accomplish before the injuries. And Joe pointed out like how much hard work they spilled into that, especially after Eric's injuries. And you almost frame it on the day, you can't help but know the Cubs parade was this Friday too. And that's what Derek and Joe wanted so much to bring to Chicago. And they're back on that day. And it's just, it's really ironic more than anything in just this context for that when they're in the city on this day. So I I should say too, like I thought everyone handled this night really well. I thought the video tribute by the Bulls was well done. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, there was a little bit of trash talking. Joe and Taj both admitted that out there. Um, but that's basketball, you know, they're still uh, very much respect each other. But I just thought it was handled well by everyone. I agree with you. Uh, I think that as much as Jimmy and Joe may not get along now, yeah. and Joe and Taj built up such a strong bond over time, that respect for all involved is still within. And it was so fascinating to me watching it unfold in front of us tonight because... Those guys went at each other in practice so many times. And, of course, it was bizarre for them to face off against one another. Uh, Of course, it was difficult for them to process uh, at times. The one thing as we're in this conversation, I'd add, is this. Uh, I have been hard on guard packs for uh, a variety of reasons over time. And I think they've made some moves that they tell you they regret uh, as as they've unfolded here. But people have to understand. They have to understand just how much of a factor it was that Derek blew out his knee. Because yeah. it totally changed the course of this organization for a long, long time. And if Derek stays healthy, I still don't know if they won a t- were going to win a title, but they would have been right there every year. Right there. And is Tom Thibodeau still here? Who knows? But when Derek went down, it just destroyed the framework of what they had tried to build. And I don't think people understand just how huge that is now with the benefit of more time to look back on what happened and all that transpired from that move. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, Before we get out of here, we should touch on the game a little bit. Uh, the Bulls did not play good defense. Is this a reason for concern moving forward? Sean, they're now 3-2. and two. That's probably the worst they've looked all year because the loss in Boston was more competitive, mm-hmm. um, put forth a better effort. Uh, Derek, I thought, from the Knicks' perspective, he looks healthy and good as far as physically being able to get to the hoop and everything. Like That shooting touch is still missing for him sometimes, not finishing, I don't think, early in the season as well as he wants to, but... Basketball perspective for this game, uh, this kind of looked too much like the old Bulls of last year. It really did. This was by far their worst defensive performance. 
And, you know, the other thing that was a little bit problematic was they only had 15 assists tonight. And you know, a big factor in their success so far this season has been how great the ball movement was, which is a big tenet of Fred Hoiberg's offense. And that was just kind of not there tonight. The defense is going to be a problem all year, guys. It is. When you look at how this team is built this year, I think we'd all agree that the starting five is very solid. Yeah. And Rondo had an off night, and you know he, he's never been known as a, a classic shooter. So no. I don't think anybody out there listening to us is going to be surprised by that. But this team defensively, ugh, they, they, they haven't been good for a year and a half now defensively. And it started to erode in Tom Thibodeau's last year. So that it has got to be turned around if they want to con- uh, find more consistency. Yeah, I think uh, part of this this loss needs to go on uh, Fred Hoiberg's ledger. The uh, lineup he tried out for the start of the fourth quarter, I believe they were down three, and the Knicks immediately went on a 10-0 run, getting easy looks, and it could have been worse. I think they missed a free throw or two and an easy bucket as well, or a wide-open three. And it was Isaiah Cannon, Doug McDermott, I believe, Dwayne Wade, Bobby Portis, and Nico Meritich, which is four of their worst defenders you could possibly put out there for the Bulls. And he didn't react. He let it go for three minutes as the run happened. But also, like, I don't know how he didn't see some of that coming a little bit. I know Michael Carter-Williams is out, so you don't have that backcourt defensive component, and you do need to rest Jimmy at some point. But still, I thought he let that game, that strategy plan there, get away a little bit. And especially after that exact same thing happened in Boston the other night where, you know, the Bulls make this comeback with the bench lineup where Bobby Portis and Nico Miritich are the two bigs that are in there. And then as the Celtics kind of start to come back and come away with the game, Fred just kind of keeps them in there. It feels like he's just kind of not learning from his mistakes. You know that Fred has messed up when Bulls Twitter in unison rises and starts screaming in agreement. 140 <laughs> characters at a time. To take out Bobby Portis, who was the, the hashtag free Bobby Portis was, was like the cause last year. Oh, man. I, you were watching that unfold, and that, that really was the beginning of the end. And they dug themselves into a hole, and Fred's just got to do a better job of recognizing, okay, you know what? This didn't work and it's time to move on quicker. But I'd say this, it's game five, it and he's trying out some yeah. new things, and some are going to work and some aren't. But you can't make these same mistakes in two months. You've got to find what works, hope everybody stays healthy, and roll with it. One thing I'll say quickly is that this 3-0 and start is going to buy them so much goodwill when it comes to these kinds of mistakes. Because you, know, you can look at what Fred maybe should have done in terms of lineups in this game and this was a pretty bad performance overall or maybe you know they gave away that Celtics game they could have won the other night in Boston but the fact that they started off 3-0 and now you have the starting point of hey these guys look surprisingly good they look better than you thought they were so now if they mess up a couple of times it's not a disaster as much as let's say they had started off the season one and two or even two and one and then they lose these two games they have a losing record and now it's suddenly okay, wow, is this going to work? You know, it just completely changes the conversation. Yeah, and it should be noted, Fred, uh, he wasn't happy after the game at all. That's one of his shorter press conferences. Had a lot of short answers for the media uh, that didn't even address a couple of the questions. He was asked, he didn't walk out on his press conference in like a traditional fashion that might 
grab viral headlines, but the first pause there was and not an immediate question, he said thank you and just got up and left, basically. Our buddy, so you, could, you could tell, Fred not happy. Our buddy Vinny Goodwill from uh, CSN characterized it afterwards as Angry Fred. I would say that it's not so much Angry Fred as I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed, Fred. The disappointed dad. Exactly. I, I, I think I can speak for all three of us uh, in this regard. I, I like Fred a lot. He's a very nice Personally, man. He, he's a, he seems like a genuinely good guy. Uh, but in these moments where he knows the pressure is on and, and he knows that there are decisions he could have made differently, when his team doesn't rise to the occasion, and they very clearly did not tonight on a national stage against Derek and Joaquin, he takes it so personally. And, and all coaches do in their own way, but... To, to see him uh, respond the way he, he did and, and has done in, in the past, uh, you know, you, you just go, well, here's another one to chalk up and remember because they need to either find a way to turn it around or will this be the start? Sean, you mentioned you, you start 3-0 and you buy a little time. But you start going three and three, three and four, three and five. People are gonna go. Oh, is this what we thought was gonna happen all along? So, well, they have a couple of. I mean, they have a back to back in Indy tomorrow. I'm not sure how that's gonna go. But they play Orlando uh, on Monday. That one should be a win. <laughs> the Orlando game should be a win, and then, you know, then they have the Atlanta. Oh, but wait, no, wait. Are you confident enough in this team now where you're gonna go down the schedule and say? Orlando, win. Atlanta, eh, maybe. Miami should be a win and Wade's return. Do you think this team has shown you enough to, to start checking off where the wins and losses are? Orlando has looked really bad. Like, worse than the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks had that one game against uh, the Grizzlies where they you, could, you see kind of what this team might look like when they're good. The Magic have just looked awful. As a lifelong Orlando resident and Magic fan, it's it's tough to see what has happened. <laughs> it's not, not good. entirely sure what they're doing. They, still, not haven't, sure. they still haven't made. I mean, every every year it's like, oh, well, they have a lot of young prospects. This might be the year they put it all together. They still haven't made the playoffs since the Dwight Howard trade. It's it, a problem. We have it's gone this whole podcast, I think, so far, twenty minutes or so, without mentioning that. Dwayne Wade went for 35 for the Bulls and looked really good. Has already surpassed the number of three-pointers he made in 74 games last year in the first five games this year for the Bulls. So like, these games the Bulls squandered last year, I know we look back, I think they struggled against, was it the Hornets? And then they blew a home game against the Suns, some games they shouldn't lose. This Knicks home game against a Knicks team that isn't clicking yet, they played a lot better tonight, got the win, but that's a game you, you need to win at home if you're going to be a playoff team. And you get 35 from your 34-year-old star you have, 26 from Jimmy Butler. Those two are going for 61 points, and you don't get the W. Like, turn back the clock performance from Dwayne Wade, but the Bulls couldn't get it done. It's, it's kind of a little concerning there. So where, so where are we on Dwayne Wade's three-point shooting, by the way? Five of seven tonight. Uh, this is I looked this up during the game. Uh, this is the third game in his career where he's hit at least five three-pointers. Both the other two were in 2009. So this is like, are we, you know, he hit five in this game. He hit four opening night against the Celtics. Is this, are, are we Are we ready to call this a thing, or is it still a small sample size? I'm not. I, I think that Dwayne, and he discussed this after the game was over, he works on that shot constantly now. And we were all sitting there when he got introduced. And... 
he made it a point to say, I'm a better shooter than what my numbers say. And I'm going to bring up my three-point percentage. And I, that always stuck with me because we're talking about a proud guy. We're talking about a, a Hall of Fame player. I don't think that he can maintain this level of consistency with the threes, but he's, he's shown very clearly that uh, he can shoot it a lot better than we all thought when he started. So uh, I, I'm curious to see how he keeps going. And, and Sean, you, you tweeted this out during the game. Dwayne Wade played about 35 minutes tonight. Yeah. Dwayne Wade, once he gets past like 30 minutes, you wonder, all right, how much juice is going to be left in the tank the next night? On the second night of a back-to-back, I'm curious to see how much Fred decides to push or pull back uh, as far as Wade and his minutes are concerned. And by that, you mean what Dwayne wants to do. Well, I mean, I, I think... My, if I had to predict, I think Dwayne is going to want to play tomorrow. If they had won this game, maybe he could say, yeah, you know, I'll just take the day off. The fact that they lost this game, they've lost two in a row now, this was the worst they've looked all year. How's that going to look if Dwayne Wade says, yeah, you know, I don't feel like playing today? Like, I, So I would predict that he plays tomorrow. We'll see how well he plays on the second night of back-to-back after playing 34 minutes tonight. But yeah. uh, we'll, uh, we'll certainly keep we'll you updated see. on that, as uh, Sean pointed out earlier. Pacers for the Bulls on the road on Saturday night. Magic at home. Then they hit Atlanta, Miami, correct? I will be on the Atlanta-Miami trip. So we will keep you updated as much as we can on all the Bulls happenings. As always, follow myself on Twitter at Cody Westerland. Follow Sean at Hyken. Follow Friedel at what's your handle exactly? Nick Friedel. Nick Friedel. Really easy. We're the guys that go with the uh, full name. But uh, hit us up at Locked On Bulls on Twitter. Find us on Facebook, Locked On Bulls. Most of all, send us basketball-related questions to Locked On Bulls at gmail.com. Why are you going to it to just basketball? And advertising inquiries always. Well, always you could also ask well, us about life or anything throw, else. That's right. Throw out some life stuff like, what's the ideal meal for a first date? Where do you take, uh, you know that that. Roots, Roots Pizza. That's that's the cruise pizza. That's the cruise pizza place. Probably not the first. Yeah, just blow up our spot like that, Cody. <laughs> <We're>, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you ever want to have beers with us after a Bulls game, find us at Roots Pizza. Don't, but don't limit it to just basketball-related stuff. Broaden it out a little bit. Get some, <laughs> get some more flow into this, baby. Okay. And most of all. Subscribe to us. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. If you're not going to give us a five-star review, don't even bother giving <laughs> us a review. But you can also find us on Stitcher, Audioboom, TuneIn, Google Play. Anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find Locked on Bulls. Uh, Nick, thanks for doing this with us. Absolutely, guys. And uh, go Cubs. <laughs> Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.